Hope and Happy New Year. It's 2018 and I'm so glad you're here. We're launching our brand new series called Faith in Action. And we're going to be studying the book of Acts over the next couple of weeks to really set the tone for what I believe God wants to do throughout this entire year of 2018. And what's that? It's putting our faith in action. So what's that mean? It means that you and I are no longer going to look at faith as like a concept or an idea or just something that we think about for an hour and a half on a weekend service, but instead it's putting our faith in action in every single area of our lives, not just uh, talking it out, but walking it out. It really looks like what happened on the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, when God's Spirit was poured out on a group of people just like you and I. They were waiting in the upper room and the Holy Spirit was poured out and they put their faith in action and when Peter got up to explain what was going on, what did he do? He quoted Joel chapter 2, a prophecy from hundreds of years before. And he said, afterward, in those days, I will, God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh, on sons and daughters, on men and women, on maidservants and men servants. What's that mean? That means every one of you is ready for a faith adventure when God's spirit is poured out on you. In fact, tell the person next to you, hey, he's talking about you. Yeah, he's talking about you. In fact, look at your feet right now, because when you and I are walking out our faith, it's literally putting one foot in front of the other and deciding I'm no longer going to be led by my feelings. I'm no longer going to be led by my failures of the past. I'm going to be led by my faith. It's a combination of small acts of faith that leads to the culmination of an amazing move of God. And we move from our small thinking to the big thinking, and we see what God has been up to the entire time. the sound of music. I know, I know. It's a full-on sound of the music moment, but I, I'm hoping it's more than that because you can't beat this view of Waimea Canyon here in Kauai. And, and, and I believe the whole point is that God doesn't want you to have a sound of music moment. He wants you to have a sound of faith moment where even in the small places of faith that you're standing right now, you're able to understand that he's doing something so much bigger than we can possibly recognize. In fact, it's really interesting being here at the beginning of 2018 I was invited back to the inaugural service of, of this year by Pastor Matt and Allison Higa. Yes, it was 14 years ago that that church, when we were interim pastors, and we knew that God was calling us to plant in Seattle, but Pastor Wayne gave us a chance to come here and be interim pastors, and we brought in Pastor Matt and Allison Higa, and this church of, interestingly enough, about 120 people, um, young and old, uh, rich and poor, men and women, they looked at this 29-year-old pastor back then and his young family, and we only had two boys at the time, and they believed in the vision that God wanted to plant a church in Seattle. Some of them had never even been to Seattle before. And this church of about 120 invested into us and paid for our rent and our utilities for the first year in Seattle so we could actually start work there. And it was so amazing to all these years later, 14 years later, look them in the eyes this past Sunday and say there are two churches there in Seattle. Hundreds if not thousands of people have come to know Christ because of their culmination, their combination of faith steps where they believed in us and sent us out by faith, and they're a part of that harvest in Seattle. And I, I want to encourage you in the same way and look you in the eyes right now at the beginning of this year and the beginning of this series and say, I wonder what it is that God wants to do in and through your small faith steps. And everybody in this room that's listening to this right now, if all of us started walking by faith, what is it that he wants to start this year that we will see the fruit of in years to come? 
All it takes is 120 people, and we've got way more than that in this room right now. It starts with a small act of faith. We can learn how to do that by learning from the early church. They are our blueprint for how to walk by faith and not by sight. And it starts with making room for the upper room. Because just like this canyon illustrates, we have to go deep before we can go wide. Let's see what that looks like. So here we are at the bottom of the canyon now to illustrate how we have to go deep before we can go wide. And we're on the Minnehuna Bridge right here over the Waimea River. And it's a perfect illustration of the way we start. We want to go and tell the world, right, that God is real and he's alive. That's the Great Commission, go into all the world, uh, making disciples, uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what's interesting is sometimes we get the cart before the horse and we need to make room for the upper room before we leave the upper room. And the disciples were all fired up. But Jesus said, you need the fire of the Holy Spirit before you try and go do anything. Don't try anything until you do one thing. And that's the thing that's oftentimes the hardest for us. So he said, I need you to go and tell everyone else, all the believers, to wait. In fact, you can fill that in in your first blank there, that you and I, before we can go and tell the world, we need to tell other believers that it's time for us to wait. He says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, this is before he ascended into heaven, he gave them this command, not a suggestion. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was telling them something. He was saying, if you do not wait for the Holy Spirit, you're going to keep waiting for things to happen, and then you're going to try and make things happen on your own. And that's the opposite of faith. That's flesh. And he was saying the way the church is going to expand, the way you're going to make disciples from the very inception of the church is going to be by faith. And that's going to be by waiting. And it's hard, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of like you're, we're on this bridge here and we see the one side uh, where we started and we want to go on the other side, but uh, Jesus is telling us to wait right in the middle because the only way we're going to be ready for what's on the other side is if we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a perfect example of how you and I get impatient and we try to do things on our own power in our own way. The canyon that we just looked at, this Waimea Canyon, uh, it's, it's, it's amazingly big, right? It's just awe-inspiring, and yet it wasn't created in like a day or two. In fact, it was over the course of thousands of years, this 10 miles long canyon, 3,000 feet deep. How, how was this created? Raindrops. Hundreds of thousands of millions of raindrops starting at Mount Waialeale, uh, coming together to form the Waimea River over the course of hundreds and then thousands of years, beginning to whittle away at these rocks and these structures, uh, literally changing the landscape so that we can come here all these years later. That's an example of faith in action. That's an example of why we need to wait. I mean, think about it. How many years was it before uh, Joel chapter 2, prophesying about how the Spirit's going to be poured out? How many years was it until that happened in Acts chapter 2? Hundreds of years. If you and I aren't willing to wait on the process of the Holy Spirit, then we're going to end up trying to do things on our own, by our own strength and on our own power, and that's just not going to work. 
the things that God wants to do in and through our lives to get us from this side of 2018 to that side of 2018, it's going to require that first of all, we wait on the Holy Spirit and we wait on the Holy Spirit together. So what does that look like? Well, it's interesting, but if you go back to Joel chapter 2, it actually gives us a couple clues. Uh, Joel chapter 2, if you look at the top of your notes, it says, Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. After what? Afterward. After what? Joel chapter 2 verse 12 says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. With fasting, weeping, and mourning, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion and declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. And this is, in fact, what we're going to be doing today. We're starting today. We're calling a sacred assembly. We're going to be entering a fast, but not the kind of fast that maybe you're used to or you would think of, but the kind of fast that we're going to enter into is so that we can witness what it is that God's about to do next. You see, we look at the miracles of Acts and we think that they were seeing miracle every single day. But the book of Acts is an accurate account of miracles that took place over a few decades If we're willing to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe that this year, 2018, will be the year that we see the fruit of what we've been waiting on God for for so many years. That this will be the year we see the miraculous. Because you and I aren't going to rush ahead of the Holy Spirit. We're going to wait right here until we receive what it is He's given us through this sacred assembly, through the fast that we're about to enter into. I can't wait to dive in with both feet. Let's see what God has for us. What are you guys waiting for? You're waiting for me? What do you want me to do? You want me to talk, right? I mean, do your job, Pastor. Do your job, right? That was only 30 seconds. 30 seconds of waiting. Did it not seem like an awkward eternity? Right? And yet the eternal God is telling us, I need you to wait on me. Because if you don't, you're going to get ahead of what it is that I want to do through you. You see, we don't like to wait. I didn't do what is normally expected when after the video, uh, I start talking, right? That's, that's what we expect to happen. And yet, God is saying, I want to do more than you expect. I want to do beyond. I want to surpass your expectations. But in order for you to see the new thing that I want to do, I need you to wait on me. And sometimes it's like that awkward situation. Are you going to say anything? Hello, God. I'm waiting. Like, isn't this the time when you're supposed to say something, 
right? And so a lot of times, just like the disciples, we are, get tired of waiting. We don't know what's supposed to happen next, so we take things into our own hands. But the truth of the matter is you and I cannot share with others what we have not first received from God. He says, I need you to wait on the Holy Spirit before you do anything else. I need you to witness with Jesus before you can witness of Jesus. In fact, you can fill that in in your second blank there. Go and tell other believers to witness with Jesus. You see, Jesus is actually in the room right now. He's already doing something in this place. And if you and I aren't careful, we're going to be so busy doing what we're doing because we like to witness action that we're going to miss witnessing what Jesus is doing in the waiting. Before we can go out, tell other people about Jesus, we need to receive what Jesus is trying to tell us right now. And if you're not so good at waiting like I'm not either, you're getting a little impatient at times and try and take things into your own hands, you're not alone. The disciples felt exactly the same way. In fact, you can continue here with me in Acts chapter 1. Before Jesus ascended, it says in Acts 1 verse 6, Then they gathered around him, the disciples with Jesus, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're like, you can't go anywhere. You're supposed to give us political control. Political power is supposed to be restored to us. They were expecting Jesus to establish an earthly kingdom to restore rule, take it back from the Romans and give it back to the Jewish people. And they pictured themselves sitting in little tiny thrones next to Jesus' big throne right there on earth. But Jesus never came to establish an earthly rule. It was always going to be kingdom in the heart of men and women. And they wanted calendars, and they wanted control, and Jesus said, no, I'm going to give you power, but it's going to be a different kind of power, and it's going to require that you wait on me. He says in verse 7, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Why is that? Because first of all, we are not God. There's only one who knows the beginning from the end, and it ain't us, right? Second of all, he knows we cannot handle If he told us everything that was about to happen, we'd all go hide under a rock, right? Third of all, the reason why he doesn't tell us everything is because he told us everything that was going to happen, we would no longer come to him for direction. We'd be like, God, I'm good. I don't need you. I know what's going to happen next. His desire is to us, for us to move past religion and into a relationship. There's a daily dialogue between us and our Creator. He says, you will receive power. This is a promise. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my, what? Yeah. You see, we have to wait before we can witness. We have to witness with Jesus before we can witness of Jesus. There's an important sequence there. A lot of times we get ahead of God when we don't want to wait on God. But when we wait on God, look what happens. We will be his witness in Jerusalem Judea and Samaria, which is interesting because up to this point, Jews typically stayed away from Samaritans. They were considered kind of like a half-breed of the Jews, and so they stayed away from them. But you're going to see throughout the book of Acts that when the Holy Spirit is poured out, all those cultural barriers and walls, they all fall because God wants everybody to know him, even to the ends of the earth. So this is pretty exciting. They've got their marching orders, except their marching orders is don't march Just go back to that upper room and wait. Now, I want you to notice in this conversation with Jesus before he ascends, he doesn't tell them how long. 
they have to wait. Now we know, looking back in time, how long they had to wait. Jesus, after his resurrection, walked the earth for 40 days. He ascended into heaven. And then we know at the 50th day, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost when all the nations had gathered there for the Feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem. We know that. But he didn't tell them. Guess what? He doesn't tell you and I either. He doesn't tell us how long we're supposed to wait because he wants relationship with us. He doesn't just want us to move, checking off our boxes from one thing to the next. He actually wants us to spend time with him. And so he doesn't give us every step. He just gives us the next step. And the next step is what? Go wait on me in the upper room. So they do that. Picturing day one, you know, okay, guys, hey, we've got 120 people in the upper room, men, women, young, old, rich and poor, kids running around. Okay, hey, let's uh, sing some songs. Yes, yeah, songs. Day two, okay, let's read some scripture. Yes, scripture. Day three, let's pray some more. Pray. Day four. Hey, Peter, when's that uh, Holy Spirit coming? They're looking to Peter, kind of the leader. When, when's that? And as a leader, you want answers. So you need to show action. You need to show that you're in charge. Oh, guys, I know what we should do. We need 12 disciples. We only have 11. Scripture's clear. We need 12. Let's find another one. Because Judas is dead. We need 12. That's a good idea, Peter. That sounds biblical. That sounds scriptural. Let's find our 12th one. And so that's where we pick up here. It's not in your notes, but it's here on the screen. Verse 23. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias, and they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. <laughs> I gotta stop right there. You and I pray prayers like this all the time. Here's what it sounds like. Lord, I want you to bless what I'm doing. That's an opposite of, Lord, let me do what you're blessing. What was God blessing? Waiting. What was God not telling them to do? Check off your boxes and find. Did Jesus in that conversation ever say, you know what you guys need to spend your time doing? You need to find a 12th man, all right? You need to find that 12th guy because I can't do anything until you do. And so they just took that upon themselves because like you and I, when we get done waiting, we take matters into our own hands. When we are done contending for the new, we go back to what we knew and that's exactly what they were going to do. Okay, all right, so we're gonna need somebody to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs, and then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Woo, Matthias. You guys ever read about Matthias again after this verse? Not that Matthias was a bad man, he was an apostle, number 12 now. Do you ever read another single thing about him? No. Guess what else you never read about? The casting of lots. Now, if you're not familiar with that, it was an Old Testament practice that the, the priests, because they didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of them, they would need God's divine direction. And so they would have something called the Urim and the Thummim, which they would carry over their heart and their ephod. And they would kind of like our modern day dice. And they would trust that God would, according to how the dice landed, would direct them on how they were supposed to move forward. Now that worked in the Old Testament. But do you ever read a single time in the Gospels when Jesus is throwing the Urim and the Thummim? Do you ever see him going, Father, which one should I heal? Is it the cripple or the blind man? <laughs> no, what does he do? He goes into town and he witnesses what the Father's doing and he does it 
with him. Why? Because they're leaving religion and they're modeling relationship. So, but when we don't want to contend for the new, we go back to what we knew. When we're tired of waiting, we take matters into our own hands and we say, God bless what I'm doing. I'm giving you a choice. You can either choose Matthias or Joseph. What's it going to be? Oh, it's Matthias for the win, right? And Matthias is in and he's happy. And yet we never hear from him again. Can I just propose to you that this wasn't even how they were supposed to be spending their time? That when you and I get tired of waiting on God, we are busy. Oh, we're busy, and we're busy doing spiritual stuff, church-looking stuff, Christian-looking stuff, but we're missing out on the new because we won't wait on what he wants to do. Who, Who do you think God might have chosen? Well, we can actually tell by reading Scripture. Acts chapter 9. There was a man named Saul, a Christian killer, who met Jesus face to face on a road. And from that conversion, his life was changed, and so was his name, from Saul to Paul. You guys remember him? He happened to have written the majority of the New Testament. He turned the world upside down, and could it be if they had waited for the power of the Holy Spirit that was about to be poured out in a couple of days, they wouldn't have even had to busy their time with Matthias and the Urim and the Thummim, and they could have just waited for Jesus, because Jesus never said, I need you to check in all your religious boxes. He never said, I need you to keep doing the things that were done in the Old Testament. What did he say? Wait on me. we're not careful, we're kind of do the same thing. God, I'm giving you two options for my marriage. God, I'm giving you two options for my kids. God, my career choices, you got two, two. Okay, either one, either one, God, either one. Right? But what if Jesus has a third option we haven't even thought of yet? None of them were, we thought, Saul. But because we don't see the beginning from the end, that was always a part of God's plan. Why does he have us wait? It's because in the waiting, we end up in sync with his timing instead of our own. We end up seeing something so extraordinary like the conversion of Saul to Paul instead of something that we never even hear about again like a Matthias. I don't want to be busy about Matthias stuff in 2018. I don't want to be busy about John stuff in 2018. I want to be busy about the kingdom of God stuff in 2018. How about you? How is that going to happen? It's going to happen when we wait on the Holy Spirit, we witness with Jesus. And it's going to mean he's calling us to do some new things. Let me invite you to this. In 2018, let's step out of the shadow of 2017. Let's step into the new things that God would have us do in 2018. How? By waiting on the Holy Spirit, by witnessing with Jesus what it is that he might ask us to do. It's going to be maybe something you've never even done before. Maybe something you wouldn't have even considered doing in 2017. But you're going to do it this year. Why? Because you're, you're leaving the dice behind. Okay? You're done telling God his two options and limiting God to your limitations. And you're ready to say, whatever you see, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. That's a faith adventure, by the way. There's nothing like it in the world. In fact, some of you guys have already headed out on those. For instance, this last uh, Thursday night, Almost 200 New Hopers gathered over across the street in the Malka Annex for our first I Was Broke, Now I'm Not small group. 
This is over almost 200 people saying, I'm not doing finances the same way in 2018 as I did them in 2017. I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit and try something new. And by the way, if you missed out on that, it's not too late. Please join us this Thursday for the next couple of weeks. We're going to be right over across the street, and we'd love to have you there. If you, maybe that's your new step. You're leaving the old behind so you can see the new that God wants to bring you. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's going to be water baptism. Inside of your bulletin, there is this opportunity for you to fill this out and you bring it to the kiosk out there. And, and I really can't think of a way, better way to start off the new year than as a declaration, a public declaration of my faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe this is the year when you say, you know what? I'm starting this year off right. I'm not ashamed of the one in whom I believe. And we're gonna be meeting at Magic Island next Sunday at 2.30. Just fill this out, bring this out there. We'll have a certificate for you. We're gonna have kind of like a next steps bag full of tools, practical tools to help you walk in your faith. And I'm really excited to see you in the water next week. Maybe, maybe that's your step. Maybe it's life groups. You, I mean, if you've been going to New Hope any length of time, you've heard us talking about life groups and life journals. I'm probably sick of hearing about it. But why do we talk about it so much? Because it's literally changed our lives. Like, you ask anybody. Anybody that's ever done a life journal for any consistent amount of time, they don't want to stop. Why? Because their life changes. It's a system, really simple system of being in God's word on a daily basis. <clears throat> and it gives us something that we can do together. It gives us a place to walk and talk with God, where we learn how to wait on the Holy Spirit. We learn how to witness with Jesus what he's saying in his word, so we can recognize what Jesus is doing around us. And I, I want to invite each of us, literally, it's a, <laughs> it's a drink of fresh water every single day you open up the Word of God. I'm going to have one right now. And how do you do that? Well, in two weeks, I'm believing by faith we are going to launch 50 brand new life groups. So if you start one, a life group, or you join one, an existing group, we're going to give you one a free journal on January 27th and 28th. We're just asking that you would start one or join one and just for six weeks, just give it six weeks. How long does it take to create a new habit? Six weeks. Give it six weeks and you will see what the Word of God does to revolutionize your life. And maybe you're like, well, John, I've never been a part of one and I don't want to show up to a group and be the only one that doesn't know how to do it. We've got you covered. Pastor Wayne has given us a teaching from his own life. He actually will teach you how to journal, how to do it on your own. It's posted on our New Hope Facebook page right now. And if you go to it, it's right at the top. And we want to encourage you to visit there. It's called Make Us Wise. Click on that, and you will actually get mentored by our senior pastor, Wayne Cadero himself. And he'll tell you from his own life why it's transformed him and remind you of why it will transform you. So just consider doing that. And maybe consider this as a next step too, doing church as a team conference. Now, Pastor Aaron was talking to us about this. Maybe uh, you've uh, never gone to this before. Let me encourage you. If God has called you to this church, this is your next step. It, it, we believe at New Hope that everyone's a perfect 10 somewhere, and if you're trying to still find your fit, understand why it is that out of all the churches God would call you to New Hope, the best way to find that answer is through the teachings and the equipping and the experience of the doing church as a team conference. You're not gonna regret making that a part of it. Maybe you're going, John, this is a lot of stuff you're, you're throwing at us. Well, let me just remind you the name of this series. It's not faith in thought. It's not faith in concept or theory. <laughs> It's faith in action. 
So I'm not doing my job if I don't do the same thing that Jesus did and give you some new places, some fresh ways that you can put your faith in action in 2018, do something different than what you did in 2017. Because when we wait on the Holy Spirit and we receive his power, then we are able to witness what Jesus is doing right there in the moment. And then we go wide. We go deep, like the canyon. And then we go wide. And we tell the world about the wonders of God. In fact, you can feel that in your third blank there. Go and tell others the wonders of God. Because our God is wonderful. And when the disciples left behind their dice, and they decided to do what Jesus asked them to do in the first place, and they waited on God, what happened? Well, he did what he said he was going to do, and the Holy Spirit was poured out. Rushing wind, tongues of fire, and each of them, the 120, all of them in that room that waited on the Holy Spirit, they all received empowerment for living and a new language that they had never even learned before. And this caught the attention of everyone else around in Jerusalem. Now, verse two, chapter, or verse five of chapter two. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? You guys ever go to a foreign country where you're the only one uh, speaking your language and you're surrounded by a language you don't know? When you hear someone speaking your language, it catches your attention. These guys were in Jerusalem not expecting anyone to know their language. And then all of a sudden they hear people speaking in their language. Well, of course, that, that drew them like moths to a flame. And they're all gathered around and they say, how is it that it, each of us hears them in our native language? Who, and who was gathered? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, which is modern day Iran. Residents of Mesopotamia, which is modern-day Iraq, Judea, which is Israel, Cappadocia, which is modern-day Turkey, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, which is the North African coast, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, even the Cretans got in there, and Arabs. When we hear them declaring what? What was it they're talking about? The wonders of God. They're not talking about themselves. Peter's not like, hey, look at me, honor and awesome. No, they're talking about the wonders of God because our God is wonderful. And they can't even help but talk about the wonders of God. And they're hearing about the wonders of God in each of their own languages. I love this about our God. It's, it's only in Christianity that you find this. Let me give you an example. If you are a Muslim and you want to talk to Allah, which they believe is their God, Allah only speaks in Arabic. You want to understand what that God is saying? You have to learn Arabic. You know what the God of our faith says? I love you in every single language that exists. That's our God. There are 3,000 languages right now worshiping Jesus around the world because of what happened at the epicenter of Jerusalem on that day in Acts chapter 2 because 120 people said, we're done with getting ahead of God. We're going to wait on God and see what he wants to do next. And it was something none of them expected. Look at this map right here to see. Jesus had said, you're going to take the gospel from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utter ends of the earth. Guess how that happened? It happened because they waited on his perfect timing when all the nations would literally be gathered right there 
in Jerusalem, and 3,000 people on that first day got saved. And what do you think they were talking about when they went back to their hometowns and their home countries? The wonders of God. They themselves met God, and now the gospel was being spread all over the world. I, did, I don't know, but I'm wondering if God wouldn't want to do the same thing here. I'm wondering if he's not done with doing that yet. What if we waited on the Holy Spirit here? What if we witnessed with Jesus so we could witness of Jesus and tell others about the wonders of God? For instance, you know there's within five miles of this ministry center, there's 290,000 people live within five miles. 290,000 people should go 808 yesterday morning, 808 in the 808. They asked themselves, what would happen if I died right now? 290,000 people who are waiting for an answer to that question, and guess what? More than 120 in this room, you know the answer. You know the answer. You can tell them the wonders of God and their language. And what do I mean by that? I'm not just talking about your cultural language. I'm talking about the language that comes through your personality, your gifts, your talents, the language that comes because you share a cubicle with somebody else. You're related to them. You go to school with them. Those are all languages of communication. And you're going to be the best person to answer that question because the answer is Jesus. If you know where you're going after you die, who better to tell of the wonders of God than you? And you know what's cool is that like even if all the other four services all said, John, we're not doing that. Even if just this service decided to share about the wonders of God, we would see an unstoppable movement of faith that would literally bring revival to the islands. Even just this room right here or those watching online right now. What if this is a Jerusalem that God wants to pour his spirit out on? It's kind of strategic. What if this is what we've been waiting for? Did you know that Hawaii is home to the nation's largest share of multiracial Americans? Look at how far we are above all the other states. This is people who's, who's a race that represent more than one race. We are a virtual mixed plate of possibilities. How many of you guys like mixed plates? Yeah. Right? Who's got, who got to choose? You don't got to choose when you're in Hawaii. You don't got to choose steak or chicken or fish. No, put it all on the plate. And then some rice, some mac salad, top it with an egg and some gravy and throw some spam on there as well. We get the mixed plate, people. That is the possibilities that we have here. That's why it's so great to live in Hawaii. And what a time to live here because we have literally been given over 953,000 possibilities. On this island alone, 953,000 people are asking themselves, what would happen if I had died yesterday? There is no better time than right now for people who have waited on the Spirit of God to witness with Jesus and of Jesus, to share of the wonders of God and the language God has given you. No better time than right now. Everybody on these islands, 1.4 million people on these islands, they're all asking that question. Could it be that just like on that upper room, people who made room for God now sent out of the room to tell the world that God has made room for you? Could it be that God wants to send us from this room out into that island out there to tell everybody in their, uh, the language of love 
that there is a way to know where you will go after you die. We don't gotta wait for the next crazy person to send a crazy missile. You don't have to live in uncertainty or insecurity anymore. The reason why we're not panicking is because we know what happens next. This is not the end. This is the beginning. We get to live eternity in heaven. Talk about the wonders of God. Can we talk about the wonders of God? We should be. They need us to. So how are we gonna do it? Remember I was talking about the fast in the Waimea Canyon video? I know, you guys, some of us were freaking out like, oh my gosh, he's gonna say stop eating food. Well, I was, I was. And because biblically, uh, fast is a good spiritual discipline, giving up food or, or social media for a certain period of time to focus in on God. And, and I was praying about this year, what fast we were gonna be calling to. And it felt like this year, the Lord was saying, I want you to do something different, John. Instead of focusing so much on what you're keeping yourself from, I want you to focus on what you're giving yourself to. And so for the next 50 days, I'm calling you to a 50-day fast of faith in action. We are going to fast in action, or we're going to step into action, or we're going to do practical things, speaking the language of love like these things right here, befriending a lonely person. Introducing yourself to your neighbors, even if they're very different from you. No, especially if they're different from you. Complimenting a stranger, not just your friends. Volunteering to serve. In fact, right here tomorrow, Martin Luther King holiday, a lot of us have the day off. Why don't you join us here tomorrow? We're going to be serving the homeless, our first homeless outreach of the year. We're going to be serving specifically some cakey homeless and some mothers who are homeless. And we're going to be bringing them meals and clothing. It's going to be incredible. If you want to find out more about it, just talk to Nanette right under the Ohana tent after service. Send paper thank you notes in a digital age. Paper thank you notes, it's, it's going to catch their attention. Pay for the coffee or bus fare for the person behind you. Let the person who seems rushed cut in front of you in line. And maybe you're looking at that, and this is just seven of the 40 possibilities that we are going to get to take action in over the next 50 days. And what's going to happen is as you exit, you're going to receive one of the, just pick one of these faith in action cards. And, and this one right here says, befriend a lonely person. So that would be what you would focus on with the Holy Spirit for this next week, if that's the card you pulled. The one I pulled is be thoughtful. Did your coworker have a bad day today? So what's that mean? Every day I come to work, I'm going to be asking the Holy Spirit. I'm going to wait on him and go, Holy Spirit, what's going on with my coworkers? Let me see what's going on. And then I'm going to witness what it is that Jesus is already doing and then I'm going to share the love of Jesus with one of my coworkers. And maybe you're looking at that going, well, John, how is that going to make any difference? Let me tell you, just like the raindrops from Mount Waialeale formed a canyon, all the raindrops of love from each one of these actions, the combination of our small acts of faith become the culmination of an unstoppable faith movement that you and I would live in such a way that people will ask us why. Why are you buying this for me? Why are you doing this for me? Why are you complimenting me? Guess what happens when people ask why? We get to tell them the wonders of God. That's why. We get to tell them Jesus loves you. We get to tell them in the language of love. And can I encourage you, don't just do it like the check it off the box, otherwise that would be like picking up the dice and just going, oh, here's your coffee. Here's a note. Hi, how are you? No, no, don't do that, please don't do that. 
What I want you to do is ask the Holy Spirit with whatever card you pick. Ask the Holy Spirit every day you get up. Holy Spirit, guide me. I'm going to wait on you. You show me what you're doing. And every single day you're going to wake up with an expectation that God's going to use you to bless someone else. He's going to speak to you so he can speak through you to the world around you. And little by little we begin to see a change occur. Let this be a spiritual act of faith for you. And over the course of the next 50 days, guess what? Not only will we change the world around us, we will be changed because we are fasting selfishness, we are fasting self-centeredness, and we are fasting the self-focus so that we can begin to see through the eyes of Jesus what it is he's doing on the island around us. Then we see the change begin. Then just like Jerusalem, in the upper room, we become an epicenter of change to the world around us. I don't know if yesterday morning you thought about this, but I... I thought, man, we need to get the gospel out. We need to get the gospel of Jesus out to as many people as possible in as many ways as possible, as soon as possible. Do you guys feel that urgency from yesterday morning's incident with the text between the first text that said you're going to die and the second text that said oops? <laughs> what were you feeling? I was holding my boys. They were crying. They were, I was looking them in the eyes and I said, I know it's scary, but you know this is not the end. What happens if we die right now? And my eight-year-olds looked me in the eyes and said, Dad, we're going to be with Jesus. I said, that's right. If this is where it ends, this is where it begins. We're going to be with Jesus. And I just want to make sure there's not a single one of you that don't have the same assurance that my eight-year-olds have. That regardless of what happens today, tomorrow, or the next day, you don't got to live in fear anymore. If there's a single doubt in your mind about if that missile had hit, whether or not you would be welcomed into heaven, you don't have to walk with that doubt another day, another hour, or another minute. This is why we're still alive, so Jesus could make sure you spent eternity with him. We're about to celebrate communion, our first communion of 2018, and before we do, I want to make sure everyone in this room knows the Jesus of communion personally as your Lord and Savior. You bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here right now and you're just, there's, a, there's some doubt, you're, you're just not sure if you're saved, you're just not sure that if that missile had hit that, that you would have been welcomed into heaven, well, I'm glad you're here because you can be sure before you walk out of here today that you belong to Jesus Christ and that he lives inside of you. If you wanna know for sure, just raise your hand right now and say, Jesus, I wanna know for sure. Just raise your hand right now. Right now, all over the room. I see those hands all over. Raise them all over. Yep, young and old, all over. Just say, I don't, I don't want to live another day not knowing. Yep, I see that up in the mezzanine right there. Men and women, sons and daughters, rich and poor, young and old. You raise that hand say, I want to be sure. There's a couple more. You need to raise your hand right now. You weren't sure, but you will be today. Anybody else? Raise that hand right now. If you're watching online, you raise that hand. If you're out under the, on the overflow tent, raise that hand right now. Anybody else? Anybody else? I just want to be sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for responding to the Lord right now. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's powerful. Let's pray together right now. One voice, every one of us together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus 
Jesus, thank you for dying for me, taking my sin on the cross, rising from the dead so that I can have eternal life with you and have a full life here on earth. From this day forward, I belong to you. I repent for my sin. I receive your forgiveness. I give you control of every day from here on out. And I pray this prayer so that I can hear it, so those around me can hear it, so even the devil can hear it. But most of all, you would know you're my Lord, my Savior. My life belongs to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Woo! Powerful. Powerful. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want you to look for those that are holding up yes packets. Grab one of those and we have a free gift for you to affirm that you will never have to doubt your salvation again. We're going to walk this journey out together because you've made the most eternal decision you can ever make. And we're going to continue to celebrate that salvation right now with communion. They're going to begin to pass the elements of the, the juice and the bread. And if you guys would just hold on to those, we're going to take those together after Noni ministers to us in song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. moment, every minute, every breath, 
you're our Lord. The reason why we're still here today is because you've got something left for us to do. You're calling us, God, faith and action, serving together with Jesus. This is what you're calling us to. We wouldn't be able to do this, God, if you hadn't done this for us. As we hold this bread, God, we thank you. It represents your body that was broken for us. God, that you left the glories of heaven and took on our skin and our sin and our shame so that we could be made whole and holy through your sacrifice, Jesus Christ. You were beaten and bloodied and bruised for us so we could be made clean and pure and healed. And we receive that healing right now through your name, Jesus, that healing physical to our bodies, that healing mental, God, to our thoughts, that healing emotional, God, to our heart, the healing to our relationships that comes because you were broken, we are made whole. And God, this juice that represents your blood that was, was poured out for us, holy, pure blood. You were the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. And God, we should have been the ones to die for our sins, but you took our place so we could spend eternity with you. And God, now we are made clean and pure, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't understand this. We can't earn this. We don't deserve this, but we receive this. And may we never get used to this. You loved us so much that you gave your life. That means, God, we get to live a life that is not filled with shame or condemnation, but we get to live a life with our head held high, speaking of the wonders of God. And is there anything more wonderful than this, than what it is that you've done for us upon the cross? Thank you, Jesus, for this love. We don't know how many days we get, but every day, God, from here on out, let us be a people passionate about telling others about what you have done so that everyone who would could come and know salvation and eternal life through you, Jesus Christ. We thank you. We praise you. Amen. Let's take it together.